0: Okay, so last week we started with the book of uh, First Timothy, and we went through the first uh, 11 verses. So today we'll continue with uh, verse 12 and going to the end. So This is an important uh, letter that is written by Paul to Timothy. And Paul was uh, much older than Timothy, and he was also mature in his faith. And Timothy was much uh, younger uh, in age. And as we saw last week, uh, Paul is sending Timothy on a very important mission. Uh, which is to confront the elders who have departed from the sound uh, doctrine, uh, which is the teachings that would have been taught by Paul during his uh, earlier visit to Ephesus. And it seems like they have departed from those uh, teachings and they are teaching wrong doctrines. So Paul is sending Timothy, and by writing this letter, uh, he is uh, equipping Timothy, and he is also encouraging uh, Timothy for the mission. So that uh, Timothy can defend uh, the sound doctrine, and he can also defend uh, the true gospel. So in the book of 1 uh, Timothy, Paul is uh, emphasizing that sound doctrine is uh, very important uh, for believers, and it is some something that is worth uh, fighting for. Uh, it is something that is worth uh, defending. So that is the mission that uh, Paul has. And in the last uh, part of the chapter from verses 12 to 18, uh, we see the uh, testimony of Paul in verses 12 through 16, which is more like uh, looking back on Paul's life. And Paul is uh, reinforcing that uh, he is an apostle who has been sent and appointed by God uh, for a special mission. And verse 17 <clears throat> indicates uh, Paul's uh, worship. Uh, and finally, uh, in verses 18 through 20, Paul uh, reinforces the charge uh, that was given to Timothy in the earlier verses uh, that we saw last week. So we can start by uh, reading verses 12 through 16, uh, which speaks about Paul's testimony. So we can consider how Paul was saved, uh, who placed uh, Paul in ministry, and how Paul was uh, enabled, and what is the difference between grace and mercy, and how does Paul describe the gospel, uh, which would be an example for us. Yeah, so we saw in verse 1 that Paul already established his credibility that uh, he was an apostle of Jesus Christ, who was appointed by the commandment of God. And here we see that Paul is uh, expanding on his life. He is expanding on his uh, testimony. In verse 11, he said that the glorious gospel has been uh, committed to him. And obviously, the gospel uh, cannot be preached. Uh, If we personally don't have the experience of gospel, we cannot preach it to others. So testimony is nothing but uh, a witness, uh, and we really cannot witness uh, what we have not uh, experienced. So it's good to see how Paul is describing his life and his testimony and how he was saved. And when we went through the book of Acts, we know that Paul met the Lord uh, in a personal way uh, on the road to Damascus. And that is where our journey begins uh, with the Lord, uh, when we meet the Lord uh, in a personal way. So our testimony does not begin uh, just because we are going to church or just because we are born in a Christian family. Uh, Just like Paul met the Lord in a very personal way, in a one-on-one experience, uh, in the same way, uh, we need to meet the Lord. And that is when we would have a testimony uh, that we can share with others. So when we look at Paul's life, we see that uh, he had a life uh, before meeting the Lord on the road to Damascus. And in Acts 9, uh, he has an encounter with the Lord. And after that, we see that his life has changed. So that's a simple way in which the gospel works in each one of our lives. Uh, All of us had a life uh, before we met the Lord. And at some point in our life, we have a personal encounter with the Lord Uh, which completely changes our life. And Paul also mentions uh, in verse 13 uh, that before uh, he was a blasphemer or he spoke uh, against the living God and he was a persecutor. We know that he persecuted uh, Christians and believers. And he also says that he was uh, injurious or he was a violent man. So Paul was very passionate uh, about the wrong things uh, before he met the Lord. But uh, he was passionate, but at the same time, he was ignorant uh, that he was doing the wrong thing. Uh, We know that Paul was a very pious Jew. He was well-learned in the Jewish laws. So he thought he was doing the right thing. But until he met the Lord, uh, he did not know uh, that he was doing it in ignorance. So Paul goes on to say that he was saved (coughs) because of God's mercy and because of God's uh, abundant grace. So mercy means uh, we are not being punished uh, for the sins uh, that we have committed. And grace means uh, God's undeserved uh, favor uh, in our life. And it is not something that we have earned, but God has simply bestowed that upon us. So Paul is able to recognize uh, in his testimony that the changed life that he has now uh, it is only because of God's mercy, it is only because of God's grace, and that is true for every sinner who is saved, uh, he, is, he or she is saved because of God's mercy and abundant grace. And Ephesians 2.8 uh, reminds us, for by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourself, uh, it is a gift of God. And he goes on to say verse 15. He says, uh, this is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation that Christ Jesus uh, came into the world uh, to save sinner of whom I am chief. So here again, uh, Paul is uh, summarizing the gospel in this verse, and he is uh, acknowledging that he understands uh, the gospel. And when we look at the gospel, we can say that uh, all of us are born as sinners, uh, as it says in Romans uh, 3.23. And Lord Jesus Christ came, which Paul recognizes. So we know that Lord Jesus Christ came. uh, He was born in a manger. Uh, He was crucified and he rose again. And because of his death, burial and resurrection, uh, sinners are saved. Uh, Even uh, the chief of sinners, as Paul calls himself, Uh, the chief or the worst uh, sinner can also be saved. So that is the power of the gospel, that once we meet the Lord Jesus Christ uh, in a personal way, uh, no matter what our sins are, uh, no matter whether we are the worst uh, sinner, uh, we also can be saved. And Acts 16.31 reminds us that if we believe, uh, we can be saved. So we don't have to do any works Uh, We don't have to earn our salvation. Uh, It is a free gift uh, that is given to us uh, when we meet the Lord in a personal way, and we are willing to repent and confess of our sins. So Romans 6.23 uh, also reminds us that uh, the salvation is a free gift. Uh, It reminds us that the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life uh, through Jesus Christ our Lord. So, salvation uh, is a gift of God, which is offered to everyone, uh, as we read in John 3.16. And it is also a gift which cannot be earned uh, through our works. And in Romans 5.8, which uh, reminds us, But God commendeth his love uh, towards us, in that while we were yet sinners, uh, Christ died for us. So, even though uh, when we were continuing in the wrong path as sinners, Uh, Christ uh, died for us uh, at that time, and we are justified uh, by his blood, and we shall be saved uh, from wrath uh, through him. So it is by putting our trust in the finished work on the cross, where the blood of Lord Jesus Christ was shed, uh, we are able to uh, receive uh, forgiveness for our sins and receive the gift of salvation. And Romans uh, 10.9 reminds us, If thou shalt confess uh, with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God has raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with mouth uh, confession is made uh, unto salvation. So we see that man uh, sins, and it is Jesus who saves. And that is the gospel that is given to, uh, committed to Paul, as we read in verse 11. And that is the gospel that Paul wants uh, Timothy to defend, and that is the sound doctrine that Timothy wants to, Paul wants Timothy to defend in that uh, congregation. So we see that Paul was uh, chosen by the Lord uh, for this divine uh, mission, and verse 12 Paul says, uh, he was chosen for the ministry as he was uh, faithful. So we see that God is uh, always looking for faithfulness, uh, which could be seen as loyalty or someone you can trust. So that's an important quality that the Lord is looking for uh, among his workers. And the Lord was able to see that quality in Paul, that he would be faithful. And that is why he was picked. And once God chooses someone uh, for his work, we also know that uh, God will enable that person uh, to complete the mission. And we see that in the life of Paul, that it is the Lord who enabled him uh, to complete the mission. And Paul recognizes that uh, in his writings, that it is not because of his, him, but it is the Lord who empowered him and equipped him uh, to do his work. So in 1 Corinthians uh, 15, 10, Paul says uh, it is uh, by, but by the grace of God, uh, I am what I am. So it is only through God's grace that Paul was uh, able to do great things. And it is only by the grace of God, uh, each one of us can do great things uh, for the Lord. So it doesn't really matter uh, what our background is. Uh, It doesn't matter what natural talents or natural skills uh, that we may have. But when it comes to doing the Lord's work, uh, it can be done uh, only by the grace of God. And we also know from Acts chapter 9 that when Paul was saved, uh, he was also filled uh, with the Holy Spirit. So we know that to do the Lord's work, uh, we also need to be filled uh, with the Holy Spirit. Uh, We need to be guided uh, by the Spirit and not by the flesh or not by our natural talents. And we also see often in Paul's writing, he recognizes the support uh, of fellow believers. So oftentimes at the end of the epistle, he recognizes the people uh, who have prayed for him, uh, who have provided uh, practical support. So all of these are provisions uh, in Paul's life uh, because of which uh, he was able to complete uh, the mission that the Lord had uh, given him. And the same thing could be true for us. Uh, if we are found faithful, then the Lord will give us the ministry that he wants to do. And at the same time, he will also enable us uh, by his grace, by his Holy Spirit, and by the support of fellow believers. And Paul also we see uh, is very humble uh, despite uh, having done great things. So when he's writing first Timothy, uh, he has already accomplished a lot uh, for the kingdom of God. He has already preached the gospel uh, in many places. He has already completed uh, missionary journeys. But even at that point, uh, he is able to recognize that he is the chief of sinners. He is the worst of sinners. And in Ephesians, uh, he says, he is less than the least uh, of all saints. And in 1 Corinthians uh, fifteen nine, he says, Uh, He is the least of the apostles. So that is the perception that uh, Paul had of himself. So we can say that Paul was uh, completely uh, dependent upon the Lord. Uh, It is only a person who is completely dependent on the Lord uh, can say say that he is the least or he is uh, totally incapable of doing anything. And it is only by the grace of God uh, paul could say that god's grace uh, is sufficient for him uh, at all times and verse 16 uh, paul reminds us why he was saved uh, he says uh, howbeit uh, for this cause i obtain mercy that in me first jesus christ might show forth all long suffering uh, for a pattern to them uh, which should hereafter uh, believe on him uh, to life everlasting So we can say that Paul is uh, like an example, or he's like a model person or a model sinner uh, who has been saved uh, by the grace of God. And that should give confidence uh, to others that if Paul uh, could be saved, uh, anyone could be saved. So we know that Paul was persecuting uh, the Christians. Uh, Paul was heading in a totally different direction. But the Lord was uh, able to meet him at some point in his life. And through that encounter, uh, he was saved. And if that is the case, uh, anyone can be saved. And we know that Paul was not only saved, uh, but he was also used uh, mightily by the Lord. So that is again, uh, gives us the confidence. uh, It gives us the hope that not only a person can be saved, but they can also be used uh, mightily by the Lord. So in 2 Timothy 1.9, Paul writes, who has saved us and called us uh, with a holy calling. So that is a calling that each one of us have uh, in our life. The Lord has not only saved us, but he has also called us with a holy calling. And again, uh, it is not according to our works. Uh, It is not according to what we have done. Uh, It is through the work uh, that was done at the cross, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given to us in Christ Jesus uh, before the world began. So we know that the Lord has chosen us uh, even before the foundation of the world. And, and the calling that we have received is also through Christ. And all the blessings that we receive uh, are also. And when we have a good uh, testimony or when we have a true encounter with the Lord or when we have a true personal experience with the Lord, uh, it is that which leads to true worship. So worship is not simply words that come out of our mouth, but worship uh, should always be based uh, on true understanding. Uh, It should be based on true experience. So when we uh, read the epistles of Paul, we often see that Paul would uh, use some verses as worship uh, within those letters, So it is not only in the book of Psalms uh, that we see uh, examples of worship, but even when we read uh, Paul's writings, uh, we see many verses that focus on worship, which again reinforces that when we have a true testimony, uh, when we have a true experience with the Lord, uh, it will lead to true worship that is offered in spirit and in truth. And when we come to worship, our focus is always uh, on the Lord. Uh, it is not on us, but we exalt the Lord. We exalt God in his uh, triumph, form, and that is what we see in Paul's worship. So he writes in verse 17, uh, Now unto the king, uh, eternal, immortal, invisible, the only wise God, be honor and glory forever and ever. So Paul is not really thanking the Lord uh, for what he has done in his life. Uh, Paul is not talking about the problems that he's having or the victories that he has had, but is focusing purely on God. And that is what uh, worship is, where we are able to shift our focus from ourselves and we are able to put our focus on the Lord. So here he recognizes uh, unto him as the king. So Jesus uh, is the eternal King of kings and Lord of lords, as we read in Revelation 19.16, and he recognizes the attribute of him being immortal. He existed uh, before the beginning of times, and it goes all the way to eternity. And God is uh, also invisible. Uh, He cannot be seen uh, with the naked eye. Uh, And Jesus Uh, is the image of the invisible God, as we read in Colossians uh, 1.15. And Lord Jesus Christ himself said, uh, He who has seen me uh, has seen the Father or has seen God. And he goes on to say that he is the only wise God. So there are many gods uh, in this world. Uh, There are many gods that people worship, but there is only one true God. There is only one wise God. Uh, There is only one God who would be the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And it is to him uh, that we offer our worship. And it is to him that we attribute uh, honor and glory forever and ever. So in Philippians uh, 4.20, uh, Paul says, uh, Now unto God and our Father be glory forever and ever. Uh, Amen. And again, in Ephesians 3.21, uh, we see that the focus is again on God. He says, unto him, by glory, be glory in the church by Christ Jesus uh, throughout all ages, a world without end. And again, in Galatians 1.5, we see the focus is to whom uh, be glory forever and ever. So even though it's only one verse, uh, it reminds us that uh, when we have a true encounter with the Lord, Uh, it will always lead us uh, to a point of true worship, where we are able to forget our past, uh, we are able to forget our circumstances, and we are able to focus on God, and we are able to exalt him, we are able to honor him, and we are able to bring glory to his greatness. So Paul is an example uh, of a changed life. So, uh, So we need to ask ourselves whether we have had that Uh, encounter with the living God and has our life changed by meeting the Lord. So unless we meet the Lord uh, in a personal way, uh, our life would simply go on. Uh, We could be going to church uh, Sunday after Sunday, but unless we have that personal experience, uh, nothing is going to change uh, in a permanent way. Uh, Nothing is going to change in a transformational way and things may look better, but Uh, It's not going to change in a dramatic uh, fashion. And we saw this in the book of Acts uh, when Paul's uh, life totally changed. Uh, We saw that uh, he was given a new mission after he was born again. And he was found in the spirit of prayer. Uh, He was found preaching. Uh, We saw that he was baptized and he was enjoying the fellowship of believers Uh, He was blessed with the Holy Spirit, and he was also blessed uh, with divine insights, with new revelation, and that is why he was able to write uh, much of what we see uh, in the New Testament, uh, which we also call as the apostolic uh, writings or the sound doctrine that Paul was able to convey to us that we are able to benefit uh, even today. So if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Uh, All things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. So that is the true gospel. And uh, Paul was trying to uh, convey that message uh, to Timothy that he needs to defend uh, the true gospel. Uh, He needs to defend the sound doctrine uh, in Ephesus. And as we finish this chapter from verses 18 through 20, uh, Paul is uh, reinforcing the charge Or reinforcing the mission uh, to Timothy that was given uh, in the earlier verses. So it is being reinforced. Okay, so uh, we are coming to the end of chapter one, and Paul is reinforcing the charge or the mission uh, that was given to Timothy. And again, he is encouraging him that he should fight uh, the good faith, a good fight, and hold on to the faith. So Timothy, we know from other writings that he is. uh, uh, probably a timid uh, person, uh, probably he's kind of shy, and we know that he is young, but at the same time, he is being given this huge uh, responsibility, and Paul is uh, considering Timothy uh, to be a warrior so that he can protect uh, the true doctrine and the gospel, and he can stand up to the elders uh, who would be much uh, older than him. So we see that when it comes to defending the true doctrine or defending the gospel, uh, we should not be afraid of who we are talking to. Uh, It is the Lord who would give us the strength, uh, who would help us to stand up uh, against those uh, who are preaching uh, the wrong doctrine or preaching the wrong gospel. So we learn that we should not be quiet uh, when the doctrine that that we hear is not correct. And we should stand up for the truth. So uh, Timothy is going to fight against the false teachers. Uh, He's going to hold on, uh, encourage to hold on to faith and good uh, conscience. So we talked about uh, good conscience and conscience uh, that is seared, uh, which is what was happening uh, in the Ephesus church, where they were not being uh, driven by good conscience or by faith but they had departed uh, from faith and their conscience uh, was hardened or it was seared uh, through wrong teachings. And Paul is encouraging Timothy that he should persevere and not uh, give up. So oftentimes when we are confronting uh, challenges or when we are confronting uh, a majority who may be going the wrong way, uh, it would be easier to give up uh, than to fight. But Paul is uh, telling Timothy that even though he might be in the minority, uh, he should continue to fight uh, for the sake of the gospel and for the sake of the sound uh, doctrine. And Paul is also reminding him that he should be faithful uh, to the prophecies uh, and that will enable him to fight. So in 1 Timothy 4.14, it says, uh, neglect not the gift uh, that is in thee. Uh, which was given thee by prophecy with the laying on of hands uh, of the presbytery, presbytery. So again, that's a challenge for us, that we should not neglect uh, the gift uh, that is given to us uh, by the Lord, and we need to use the gift uh, to strengthen uh, the church, to continue the work uh, work of the Lord, and to continue to build uh, the kingdom of God. And again, in 2 Timothy one six, it says, wherefore, Uh, I put thee in remembrance that thou stir up the gift of God, uh, which is in thee by the putting on of my hands. So again, uh, here the impression is uh, we need to activate or keep the gift of God uh, active. So it says, which is in thee by the putting on of my hands. So it doesn't mean that Paul gave the gift uh, to Timothy. Uh, It is still the gift of God. Uh, Paul might have simply laid hands on Timothy uh, and prayed, and Paul is reminding that uh, he needs to be faithful uh, to the prophecies which will enable him to fight uh, the good fight. All of us are called uh, to fight a good fight of faith and to defend the truth of sound doctrines and to defend the true gospel. And Paul himself uh, writes in 2 Timothy 4, 7, Uh, about his testimony and about his walk uh, with the Lord. So this is something that Paul would have written uh, just before he died, because 2 Timothy was the last last letter that he wrote. So at the end of his life, Paul was able to say with confidence that I have fought a good fight. Uh, I have finished my course. Uh, I have kept uh, the faith. And Paul wants uh, Timothy to have that same experience So that at the end of Timothy's life, uh, he also can say that he fought a good fight uh, for the Lord. Uh, He defended the gospel. He defended the doctrine uh, till the very end. And he kept the faith and he kept a good conscience or a blameless uh, testimony uh, till the very end. So that's a challenge uh, for all of us. So all of us at some point uh, will reach the end of our life so we don't know when that end is going to come which means uh, we should continuously be engaged uh, in fighting the good fight so no matter when the lord calls us uh, to glory or no matter when the lord returns uh, we should be fine found occupied uh, fighting the good fight so we should not uh, delay or we should not postpone uh, using the gift uh, that the lord has given us so we should not say that we are going to wait uh, till we retire Uh, to do the Lord's work, or we are going to wait till we get a little bit older and we are settled uh, to start the fight. The Lord wants us to start the fight Uh, the moment uh, we are saved, uh, the moment uh, we receive the salvation experience. That is when our fight begins, and we should continue to fight uh, till the Lord calls us home. And Paul is a great example for us, and Timothy is a great example for us. And in other writings of Paul, uh, Paul reminds us uh, what is the war uh, that we are fighting, and he also reminds us uh, what weapons uh, that we have, uh, besides uh, what we talked about, the gift of the Holy Spirit, and God's grace, and the company of believers, which are also weapons that we have in our hand uh, to fight the good fight. So when we depart uh, from the Assembly of Believers, when we depart from fellowship of believers. Uh, We also become weak uh, in fighting the good fight. So it's very important, uh, as we said last week, uh, to be found uh, in the right church, uh, to be in the right uh, fellowship of believers so that we are held accountable and we continue the fight that the Lord has laid for us. So in 2 Corinthians uh, 10, uh, 3 to 5, Paul says, for though we walk uh, in the flesh, Uh, we do not war after the flesh, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of the strongholds. So even though we have a physical form, uh, the fight that we are waging uh, is not after the flesh, and also the weapons uh, that we are using uh, are not natural weapons. That is what the world uses, Uh, The world uses the natural weapons of intellect or experience or natural skills, but the Lord gives us uh, spiritual weapons uh, that we can use uh, to fight the good fight. And in Ephesians 6, 11 to 17, which is a familiar uh, passage on the armor of God, again, Paul reminds us, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this world, against uh, spiritual wickedness in high places. So that's why he says uh, to take on the whole armor of God. And we know it talks about the belt of truth, uh, breastplate of righteousness, gospel shoes of peace, uh, shield of faith, helmet of salvation, sword of spirit, uh, which is God. So we see that in many of Paul's writing, uh, he engages the audience. He engages the readers and reminds them that uh, there is a war uh, that we are in, and we need to remain faithful uh, to fight the war uh, till the end. And verse 19 uh, reminds us of the consequences of departing from our faith. So even after hearing many messages, uh, even after reading the Bible repeatedly, uh, still we see that many believers uh, become cold uh, in their faith, or they could simply depart uh, from their faith. So that is what was happening even in the Ephesus church, uh, even though Paul had gone there and done ministry. But over time, they had started departing uh, from their faith. So here he says, uh, some have rejected the faith, or they have rejected their trust in God, and their good conscience, or they are no longer uh, striving uh, to live a blameless life, but they are living a life of compromise. Uh, They are living like carnal Christians and not really maturing in their faith. And it can happen to any of us, uh, no matter how much we are taught uh, from the Bible and from going to church and so on. So it can happen to any of us where we may depart uh, from faith and depart from good conscience. But when it happens, the consequence uh, is a big loss. Uh, We make a shipwreck of our faith and we make a shipwreck uh, of our lives. And it leads to not only spiritual damage, but it brings a lot of losses uh, in our life uh, when we go away uh, from the sound doctrine. And uh, Paul mentions uh, in verse 20 about uh, Hymenus and Alexander who were delivered uh, unto Satan. So when believers are not willing to repent, uh, Paul says uh, they are delivered uh, unto Satan. And so discipline in church uh, should exist uh, so that we can protect uh, the true doctrine and the gospel Uh, We can protect the testimony of the church and we can protect the believer uh, at the end. So if there is no discipline for when the sound doctrine uh, is not being followed, then it would lead to bigger damage. So, It's important that uh, that is controlled. And in in 1 Corinthians, we read about uh, excommunication where a believer is uh, excommunicator or taken out of the church. Uh, with the expectation that they would that uh, that will lead them to think about what happened, uh, that would lead them to confession, that would lead them to uh, come back uh, to the Lord. So the expectation is not to kick them out of church, but the expectation is that they will realize the mistakes they have made and they will return uh, to the Lord. So it's almost like the prodigal son who is uh, who leaves home but returns back when he realizes uh, that the true riches are found in Father's house. In the same way, the believers, when they depart uh, from the faith and when they are not willing to repent, uh, they could be excommunicated so that during that time of isolation, they are able to reflect on their life and they are able to confess and come back uh, to the Lord. So it's something similar to what many parents do, which is uh, simply a time out where they may make the child to sit down in a corner as a punishment so that they would realize the mistake that they have made and they come back uh, to their parents. So we see that discipline in the scripture is always uh, for correction. Uh, It is not for condemnation. So when churches uh, use the discipline to condemn people, uh, that would not be the right approach. Uh, That would not be biblical. And that would go against the teachings of the Lord. It will go against the teachings of the apostles. Because any discipline, just like we do in the life of our children, uh, it is not meant to condemn them. It is not meant to uh, completely wipe them out. But the idea is that they should always be restored and brought back. (laughs) We see that faith uh, is in focus in 1 Timothy, but in a negative way. So we saw that in one nineteen uh, there was a shipwreck of faith. And in chapter 4 and verse 1, we would see uh, departure from faith. In 1 Timothy 5.8, uh, we read about denial of faith. And 5.12, we read about faith casting off the faith. And 1 Timothy 6.10, we see uh, error or mistake from faith. So we see that faith is something very precious, but oftentimes uh, believers are going away from faith and they're making a shipwreck of their lives. And sometimes uh, that is happening uh, because of wrong teachings uh, in the church or because of diluted uh, teachings in the church. And that is the focus of Paul in writing to Timothy, that because so oftentimes the mistakes are being made uh, within the church setting and people are departing from their faith or they are going back to being carnal Christians or being compromising Christians. So that brings us to the end. So chapter one, uh, where we saw today about Paul's uh, testimony, uh, Paul's worship, and also Paul reinforcing the charge or the mission that is given to Timothy to defend the sound doctrine and to defend the true gospel.